over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. message is God's dynamic duo, the marriage of Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, put in your notes, I wanted you to be clear who was who because these names all, both kind of sound like girls' names to me, but Aquila is the husband and Priscilla is the wife. Uh, Romans chapter 16, we'll pick up in verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. We'll stop right there. Uh, to preach this three verses about Priscilla and Aquila, I, I studied every place in the Bible where they are mentioned. And so I want you to turn with your Bibles to Acts chapter 18, if you would. Uh, I want us to look at some things right there as we get started. Acts chapter 18. Uh, the first point in your notes is that their marriage was united in work. As we learn about Priscilla and Aquila, one of the things that we notice is that they are the most prominent marriage mentioned in the Bible. They're mentioned in several places in the Bible. But whenever they're mentioned, they're always mentioned together. They're always coupled together. It always says Aquila and Priscilla, and sometimes it puts her first, Priscilla and Aquila. And it always talks about them being together. In every single instance, they're mentioned in the Bible. They are never seen to be separate. And so when we're thinking about a marriage unit that God would use, I, I want us to think about our own marriage today, your own life, and think about uh, God uniting you together in your marriage to such a degree that we do what actually happens spiritually in real life, you know, in, in, in the spiritual union of marriage. Uh, you lose your one, your self-identity and you become a, a new identity together, it's from Genesis where it says Adam and Eve, they became one flesh. This new one flesh is between a man and a woman in their marriage. It's a spiritual union. Uh, when I'm teaching this to uh, young people before they get married, I, I call it the us-ness. They stop being I and me, and they stop, start being us. It's together. And so you no longer see just him or see just her, but you see them together. So just here's reality about that, guys. If your wife is a little crazy, crazy, don't 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 say amen or raise your hand or anything. But if she is, then you be, you begin to get viewed as a little crazy too. That's just how it is. If if your wife is awesome, and we got a lot of those in our church, she's just awesome, and she's you know she's she's great. Then the guy that's married to her, you get you get a raise in, in how we look at you. You you all of a sudden we look at you way better. That's reality. Uh, at my house around my table there's a, a little joke given often especially for my sons about whose name is mentioned first uh, that, that it's a it's a power thing and so you know we learn certain families and you always say the guy's name first and then the, uh, the woman or if you say it's so and so's house and you always call it the woman's house y'all with me y'all make sense so, so like 
if we, I'll pick on Shady morning, I like to pick on them. They, there you go, Shady. So if we said, uh, we're going over to Morgan and Shane's house, or I might say, we'd say then, then it's, it's hers, she's in charge, you know, that's, that's her house. Or we say, where are we going? We're going to Morgan's house. Well, so we at our house, we try to, we try to always say we're going to, uh, to Shane's house. We always try to say it's Shane and Morgan, uh, because we know that Shane is the man. We already know that, at least at my house we do. Uh, but anyway, with, with, with Sapphira, uh, I mean, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, it's back and forth in Scripture. Sometimes Aquila is mentioned first, sometimes Priscilla is mentioned first, but they're always mentioned together everywhere in Scripture. Let's look at Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So let's just stop right there. So here's what's happening. If you see that, Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and this is actually written in, in real history books besides the Bible. Uh, I say real because sometimes people don't believe the Bible, but this is backed up from, uh, from other history books that talk about Claudius, and this whole Christian thing starts to happen in Rome where people are calling Jesus the Messiah and the Lord, and so Claudius decides, I'm not putting up with this, so all the Jews got to leave, and he, and he runs all the Jews out of town, and this is where it says that Aquila and Priscilla uh, they go and leave Rome, and they end up in Corinth. And when they get to Corinth in verse 2, the first person they meet is Paul. So I want you to get this picture for Aquila and Priscilla. You know, things are not going good in your hometown. You're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's not very healthy for you where you live. And the, the, the leader of the realm says, all the Jews, all the followers of Jesus, you need to get out. And so they move on a pretty long journey from Rome. I'll show you the map in a little while. From Rome down to Corinth because this Christian thing is, is dangerous for them. And so guess what? When they get to Corinth, guess who the first person they meet is? Is Paul. Uh, one of the greatest preachers of the gospel there is and there ever will be. And that becomes their new acquaintance in, in Corinth. Look, look at verse 3 with me. I'm still in Acts 18, verse 3. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. So get this, they not only meet Paul, now he moves into their house. And he's going to live with them. We, uh, he's living with them. They have the same occupation. Paul's a tent maker. Aquila and Priscilla are tent makers. And so they're working together. Verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So Quill and Priscilla, they move from Rome down to Corinth. That's a pretty hard transition for a, a young married couple to do if you've never done that, to make a great move like that. The first thing they do when they get there is they meet Paul, and they find out Paul's a tent maker just like their tent makers, and so they begin to work together. We get the picture that not only they worked with Paul, but that Aquila and Priscilla worked with each other. And I've, I've heard it said before that a husband and wife should not work together uh, but I don't know that I agree with that because if you have a, a good marriage and a strong marriage, I think it is great if a husband and wife work together. And so that's what uh, 
Aquila and Priscilla are doing. We also learn from Acts chapter 18, verse 11, if you'll look at over there with me. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So it gives us this picture here in verse 11 that Paul not only lived with them, he lived with them for 18 months. Have you ever had anybody live with you that's not family? Uh, that's not easy. It's not easier on your marriage. You know that when Cindy and I first got married, we were living in an apartment. Uh, we took in a young person who was thrown out on drugs who lived with us, what, about six months, I guess. Uh, actually literally lived on our couch. It was a one-bedroom apartment. And we've had several occasions where missionary families have lived with us. Uh, Maxine lived with us one time when she had, had surgery. We've... Uh, often had people in their house living there and uh, you know there's just something about that that it makes life a little harder than it normally is y'all y'all agree with that and so here they are you got Paul living with them uh, one of the most persecuted and outspoken Christians I believe there ever were and he's living in their house now look down at uh, Acts 18 verse 18 so Paul still remained a good while then he took leave of the brothers and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at country where he had taken a vow, Paul did, and he came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So here's Paul. Now he's gonna he decides I'm leaving Corinth, I'm going to Antioch, and then I'm going to Ephesus. And guess what? Priscilla and Aquila. They said, well, if you're going, we're going with you. And that's across the ocean. That's across a, a water trip now, not a land trip. And they go with Paul to Ephesus. And so now they live in Ephesus, and they have their business there, their tent-making business, and they're doing their church work there. Uh, this is a point later on, but we're going to find out later from Scripture that Priscilla and Aquila had a church in their house in Rome, then in Corinth, they had a church in their house. Then in Ephesus, when they lived there, they had a church in their house. And then they moved back to Rome, and they had a church in their house in Rome. And so uh, this is a couple that like to be together. This is a couple that loved each other to a degree. They liked to stay together. They did their work together, making tents, and they did their church work together, serving the Lord and allowing God's people into their home, which says a lot about the kind of home they had. They had a very open and hospitable home. Number two in your notes. They taught and helped the men of God. They taught and helped the men of God. The first person we're going to look at, they taught, we're still staying in Acts chapter 18, is a person called Apollos. Now if you remember Apollos, this may be the verse you remember Apollos from. You remember this verse? Paul says, I planted Apollos waters, but God gave the increase. You remember that verse? This is the same Apollos mentioned here in Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. Let's just stop right there. Apollos was an eloquent speaker. That means he's a good preacher. And he was mighty in the scriptures. Now the scriptures then would have been the Old Testament scriptures, so he knew the Old Testament word of God. He knew the things that God had prophesied that was coming and he knew them well. Pick up in verse 25. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the Spirit. So now we're getting this picture of Apollos. He's on fire for the Lord. That's what fervent in the Spirit was. 
I'm, I'm on fire for God. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So here's this guy who knows the Old Testament well. He's an eloquent preacher. He's filled with the Spirit of God. But he only knows what John the Baptist has taught him, and he's only up to, to this part where he's learned from John the Baptist that Jesus is coming and Jesus might be the Messiah, but it appears that he might not know about the resurrection of Jesus yet. So look at verse 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here's this guy who's great preacher, he's filled with the Spirit, he's speaking boldly in the synagogues, which would have been the to the Jews about Jesus. And Aquila and Priscilla hear him one day, and things just don't add up all the way. He seems he doesn't know everything about Jesus. And so it says in verse 26, Aquila and Priscilla, they take him aside in, in the King James Version. Uh, it says they took him unto themselves. It, it's, it's a picture of them taking him home, them, him home with them. They're like, after he teaches, they're like, why don't you come to our house for lunch? We, we need to talk to you. So it's not, a, it's not a public display of rebuke. It's not anything where they begin to talk bad about him or put him down. They, they know that he's on fire for God. He knows the Old Testament well. He's bold in the Lord. He's an eloquent speaker, but he needs some help, right? So uh, I encourage any of you to know these things about me, and I need some help. Just invite me for lunch, and you can pour it on me then. Just love <laughs> Give me the help I need. That's what Aquila and Priscilla are going to do. They're going to take Apollos to their house, and they're going to teach him. Uh, let's look at verse 27 and 28 now, Acts 18. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. And so I take that to say they taught Apollos about grace. He knew the Old Testament and the law. And Aquila and Priscilla lifted him up and taught him about grace. And if you've ever heard two preachers preach, and one preaches you should from the law, and another preaches you're blessed from grace, that's two entirely different things. They transformed the preaching of this young man, this Apollos. He went from the law to grace. He went from talking about the rules you need to keep to the Savior that came to keep them for you. He went from talking about the, the rules that you must have to be religious and begin to talk about Jesus that you must have to be saved by grace through faith. <coughs> so they raised him up to grace. Verse 28, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. He comes out now and he's preaching grace. And he's preaching that Jesus is the Christ. If you know what that means, they're, they're saying Jesus is the coming Messiah that the Jews have been looking for since the Old Testament. He is of the son of David, of the line of David, and he came to set his people free. Jesus is the Christ. So, wow, what Aquila and Priscilla have done for this young man named Apollos when they took him to their house. So they taught and helped the men of God. But not only did they help Apollos, now we can go back to our Romans passage, if you would. Back to Romans chapter 16. They also helped Paul, another man of God. Uh, we'll look here in verse 3. He says, in Romans 16, verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, 
my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus. So Paul himself declares that Priscilla and Aquila have helped him. That he has been helped by them. And he calls them here, you can underline it in verse 3, his fellow workers. This word translated fellow workers is, is hard for us to understand, but it is our word in the Greek. It's our word synergy. You ever heard that word synergy? If you are a leader in your workplace, you probably may have used the word synergy. Let me just kind of try to define it a little bit better for you. It, it literally means two are better than one. So let's just take me and Brad, for example. Let's say Brad can pick up 100 pounds. Can you do that, Brad? I can pick up 100 pounds. I think I can do that. But me and Brad together, if we lift up the same weight, we could pick up 300 pounds. You get that? Synergy, that's what that means. It means that two, when they work together, more can get done. More can get moved. More can be accomplished. And Paul says about Aquila and Priscilla, he says, these are my synergy. These two, they're my fellow workers. They have helped me. What a statement. If anybody's going to praise you, or anybody's going to compliment you or say, they helped me. Nobody better than Paul, I don't think. The only one better would be Jesus for me. Uh, Jesus could say that, it would be great, but he's not, he don't need my help. But then Paul saying, they're my fellow workers. So Priscilla and Aquila, uh, they desired to help God's men. Number three, they stood with the accused. Uh, he says in verse four of Romans chapter 16, they risked their own necks for my life. And so there's something that Paul has gone through where his life was in danger, his name was in danger, and Aquila and Priscilla defended him in some way. They stepped in, in place of his, his danger and took it upon themselves. They so stood beside him when he was suffering or when he was... His life was at risk, and we know Paul's life was at risk many times, that he is so bold in verse 4 to say, they risk their own necks for my life. Well, that's a pretty big compliment. They stood with the accused. Number four, we are all thankful for them, for Aquila and Priscilla. We see this also in verse 4. It says they risk their necks for his life to whom... Not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So Paul says about this couple, they're so great. I see them together, Aquila and Priscilla, they're so great. I give thanks for them. I thank God for them. I, I can appreciate this because I do this for so many of you so often in my own prayer life with God. I often think of your family or, or who you are. As a, as a married couple, and I often just thank God for you. That's, that's a beautiful thing when you thank God for someone. But Paul says, not only do I do this, but all the churches of the Gentiles do this. He's, he's blanketing this, this cooperative church groups from different towns. Churches back then were different places. And he says, these different churches also thank God for you. And we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but so they were in Rome. They get run out of Rome to Corinth. I have a map that I want to just, want to just show you. Uh, this map is the next slide. I don't know who's controlling the slide. That church is in their house. So they leave from Rome. You see Rome up at the top. They come down to Corinth, which is where they meet 
Paul, when we read that a few minutes ago, it said Paul left Athens and came to Corinth. And so they meet Paul in Corinth, and they Paul's living with them for 18 months, and history backs this up, and they have a church house in Corinth. So later when Paul writes the letter to the Corinthians, he mentions Aquila and Priscilla because the, the Corinthian church started in their house. And that, that's amazing, isn't it? Just to say, uh, a church started in our house. We know that my house, church, kind of started this way. It started in a house. And so... To be able to say, wow, this, I mean, let's think one day, like, years down the road from here, and this thing is just massive, you know, lots and lots and lots of people, which is a pretty good size now, but lots of people, and you could say, this is a house, uh, that's a, actually we started in a barn, but that's, that's where this church started in Corinth, the Corinthians. Then they left Corinth, when Paul says, I'm going to Ephesus, look, it's across the way there, over towards Turkey. Uh, Paul says, that's where I'm going. Aquila and Priscilla, they say, we're going with you. And they get to Ephesus, and it says that they had a church house in their house in Ephesus. So then later, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, guess where that church started? In Aquila and Priscilla's house. Isn't that amazing? Then they uh, later, Aquila and Priscilla leave Ephesus at some time, and they travel back to Rome where they started, and they have a house church in Rome. Their house is open again, and there's a church, and now Paul's writing the, the, the word of God to the Romans, and guess who he's lifting up again? Aquila and Priscilla, because this church at Rome has been meeting in Aquila and Priscilla's house. What does that mean? That means, bless their heart, they had to move a lot, which I don't like to move, but they had to move a lot, but everywhere they went, what they owned belonged to God. Their house was God's. Uh, some years ago, when uh, some people remember this, when you were much younger, we had the, we had enough builders in our church. We don't have this now, but we had enough builders in our church, qualified builders, that we told the young people of our church, if you could save up the cash money to buy the materials for your house, that we as a church would come in and build your house. We did this. We literally did this. Nobody took us up on it. Some of you young couples are saying, well, I wish I'd have been there back then. Some of you were, and you didn't take us up on it. We said, we'll build your house. Why would we do such a thing? We said that because we knew that if you, if you get in this house and you're debt-free because you had to save up the cash, you don't have a loan, you're debt-free, that you would be so filled with gratitude that God had given you that house that you would open it up and say, you want to have that event? Have it at my house. You want to have that? You can have it here at my house. Why? Because this is God's house. And so I just want to encourage you to view your home, your house. It's God's. God gave it to you. It's His. And so as it be in His house, be willing to open it up and have people come in. You know, uh, one of the qualifications for an elder in Scripture is to be hospitable. <coughs> Hospitality. Let's not let's not lessen that role of hospitality. To be able to invite people into your house and allow God to use your home to bless people and encourage people and have Christian things and invite people over to learn more about the Lord. I think it's a great thing to aspire to and to long for. So let's go into application number one. What about marriage? If we look at Aquila and Priscilla, 
What can we see about our marriage that we like or, or what, that we want? I, I'll say this about Aquila and Priscilla. I like it that they're always together. And I think that uh, these are the kind of people that they were better together probably than they were apart. They got more done together than they did apart from each other. And so I would encourage you, if you're married here today, do you want a marriage that is, is a, a model like this, that, that chases after Jesus? Both of you chase after Jesus. Where your marriage is used by God. Do you know that young people in the church, and, and by any church I think, they're watching all these marriages. Do you know this? They're watching all these marriages, and they're picking, hopefully they find one, but they're picking one or two, and they're, they're thinking, that's the kind of marriage I want to have one day when I get married. I don't know about you, but I want our marriage to be one they would like and one they would pick. Don't you want that? I think to, to desire for our marriages to be that genuine, that much after God, and I just want to say to you men, if you are married to a woman who's like Priscilla, who will come and work alongside of you in, in the things you do for your business and in the things that you do unto the Lord, then praise God. Because you're blessed if you have a wife like that. It's like Priscilla. Do you know that uh, I've never actually fired many people, but I did fire a guy one time from, from church work because his wife wanted no part of it. His wife wanted no part of him working at the church. And so I fired him. I fired him out of love, completely out of love. I felt like if he didn't get fired, he was going to get divorced because she was going to leave him because she was miserable serving the Lord. She hated him. You need both. And men, if you've got a wife who is willing to open up your house and let it be used for the Lord, that's a lot of work. Right, lady? That's a lot of work. And, and if you've got a wife who's like that, who's like Priscilla in these ways, praise God for that. Ladies, if you've got a guy who's like Aquila, who's willing to support men like Paul and Apollos, and who's willing to welcome them into your home and, and to open up your home and, and have this vision, not only to make tents, but to serve the church. That's why Aquila must have been like this. He didn't just have a vision for his business to to make tents and be successful making tents, but he had a vision for the kingdom to open his house to serve the church of the Lord, so much so he said, church can meet here. We'll have church right here in our tent. And many times they may have been living in a tent that they had made. And Aquila is the kind of guy who said, I want our family to stand for the Lord and be used by the Lord to build the kingdom of God. Ladies, if you've got a husband that's like that, praise God for it. You're blessed. And if you don't, in either case, if you don't have Priscilla guys and ladies, if you don't have Aquila, then that's something we can pray for. We can pray that God will make our marriage more usable for his kingdom. I want to say to the singles, people here who are not yet married, uh, guys, don't settle for less than a Priscilla-type woman. Don't settle for a woman who's not going to be willing to serve the Lord like Priscilla was willing. And so I'm just going to give you some guidelines. If you're looking for a good woman, guys, I'm going to help you real quick. Guidelines. Number one, is she saved? Because if she's not saved, don't start anything romantic with a young person who's not saved. Uh, 
one of the things we encourage at our house is don't missionary date. You know what I mean by that? Don't missionary date. That, that means don't go dating lost people thinking because you date them, they'll get saved. And I have some older people that believe that. That's, that's, that's biblical, isn't it? Don't date missionary likes thinking they're going to get saved, they're going to turn around, they're going to they're going to change. It's going to be all right. No, you wait to date or to have romance with them until they are saved. And even beyond that, is, is this young girl loving Jesus? Is she serving God right now where she is? And even important is this. Does she care about church? Is she mindful of the things that have to do with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because why go over all these things? Here's why. When you get married, it's either the best thing you ever did or the worst thing you ever did. Y'all know that? You know that in the Bible, marriage is a picture of heaven or a picture of hell. And so your marriage is, besides getting saved, is the most important decision you'll ever make. Besides getting saved. Who you marry will affect the rest of your life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm not putting down marriage. I'm lifting up marriage. I'm encouraging marriage if it's the right one, if it's the right person. If you find the right person, here's how you'll know. You will be better when you're with them. If you are with somebody right now in some sort of romantic way, you kind of got your eye on them, and they make you weaker and further from God since you begin to be around them, then they're probably not the right one for you. It would, it would make you better when you're together if it's meant to be. Number two, have you ever had your neck or your name on the line? It's obvious that Paul's neck was on the line. His name was trashed somewhere in some town some synagogue, they, you know, you know this about Paul, he was getting chased out of town, he was beaten several times, he was in prison several times. Uh, you know, just think if we had a guy in our church who's so preaching Jesus, he's getting beat, he's getting prisoned, having prison time. Have, have you ever had people accuse you of something and it's not true? And your name is in danger. I had this happen one time to me. It's a very hard thing to go through. And a lot of the early New Testament Christians were going through things like this. It's why Peter, when it talks about suffering, he uses this terminology. He talks about those who are suffering and it says, do not be ashamed. If you've never suffered in this regard where your name was at stake, where you've been accused of something wrongfully, you don't understand what that means when he exhorts you not to be ashamed. But if, if your name is getting trash in the community, in all the people that you know, the, the thing you struggle with is shame. You're, you're embarrassed. They're talking bad about you. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't control what they're saying about you or what they're doing uh, to damage your testimony or damage your name. And Peter says, don't be ashamed. But Paul says in Romans chapter 16, he says, I thank God for them, Priscilla and Aquila, because they risked their necks for me. And so I want to encourage you, if you are somebody now whose name is at stake, whose reputation is on the line, who's been falsely accused for something, 
don't, don't set your focus on all those who are talking bad about you. Don't set your focus on all, the, all those who are coming against you. Forget them. Set your focus on the, on the few who come and stand beside you, who risk their necks for you, and remember them, and thank God for them. You know, Cindy and I, we just went through cancer. I keep bringing that up. I'm, you're going to get that for a long time. Just settle into it, okay? We just went through cancer, and there are people who we would have said, that's our dear friend. We, we're so close to them. That's our good friend. And they never really even called and checked on us. Never really. They just kind of disappeared for whatever reason. Then there's other people that we would have said, that's our distant friend from afar. We don't really know them that well. They're not really that close to us. And they consistently... If you know us, we don't expect a lot. I'm not talking about every day. I'm not even talking about every week. I'm not even talking about every month. <laughs> we don't expect a lot. I'm just talking about every so often they checked in and checked on us and cared about us. And if, if, as we step away from cancer, and hopefully that's what we're doing now, we're stepping away from cancer, leaving that in the dust. The, the thing we remember is the ones who stood by us, the ones who were faithful, the ones who did show their care over and over again. That's what Paul is doing. He's remembering Aquila and Priscilla because they put their necks on the line for him when his neck was on the line. And so, in this sense, it's a blessing. If you're going through a great hardship right now, a great time of suffering right now, let me tell you what God's doing in your life. He's showing to you, he's proving to you who your greatest friends are. That's what he's doing. It's a blessing. When you get through this season of life, you're going to know, that's my friend, that's my friend, they're so genuine, they're so real, they're there for me, and they're not. And that's a blessing to get that, and, that, and that's, that's a great thing that God's doing in your life while you're going through all, who knows what, you know, uh, and you're suffering. Number three, God's most important people are many times in the shadows. I, I would say before this message, you've never heard of Aquila and Priscilla very much. But you probably have heard of Paul, I'm sure of, and you've heard of Apollos and those, and you've heard of these churches. You've heard of the church of Corinth, you've heard of the church of Ephesus, you've heard of the church at, the, at Rome. But the really important people here that were behind the scenes making a lot of this possible was Aquila and Priscilla, this godly marriage who wanted their life to count for Jesus Christ. And so I want to empower you today. If you're here and you're, I'm going to have you raise your hand, but I hope you know you're here. If you're here and you're married and you're part of Lighthouse Church, your marriage is a vital part of whether or not this church is successful. Did you know that? Do you ever think like that? It's not just your marriage. It is, it is a marriage that represents this church and your marriage makes this church successful. It can make this church less successful. You know that? And so I want to encourage you in your marriage to work at that. That's making our church better, making our church stronger, making our church more successful. Number four, invest in people. And that's what we see mostly from Quill and Priscilla. They, they invested in people. I'll give you three ways. Number one, they opened their home. I encourage you to open your home don't already do so, it's not hard to do that. You say, well, my, I just got too much clutter. Then throw away some clutter. 
you say, I just got too big of a mess, then clean up the mess. I'll give you a little secret, okay, at our house. We have a lot of company all the time. Just give you a little quick secret. Just focus on the living room, okay? <laughs> just the living room. Now, if they got kids and they like to go through every room in the house, like <coughs> some of y'all's kids do, then y'all need to teach them not to do that, okay? <laughs> they might get hurt in some of those rooms. They might get filthy in some of those rooms, you know? Just focus on the living room. Most most honorable parents teach their kids just to stay in the living room. You know, don't go investigating through the whole house or the basement, but the living room. Just focus on keeping the, the main room that you come into somewhat orderly where you can use what God's given you for the glory of the Lord. If there's... Uh, I, I meet people all the time, and I, I've preached this before. I don't preach it a lot, but I've preached this before, and I have people come up to me with just this broken spirit, almost a defeated spirit. I can't do this. And, and, and if you know anything about my wife, she's somewhat of a perfectionist, uh, very much so. I'm not. Like what I call clean, what she call clean is two entirely different things. You know, her bar is way up here. My bar is, are you going to get hurt if you walk through there? Okay, it's fine. It's clean enough. But, you know, I've had to raise my view of cleanliness. She's had to lower hers a little bit to, to still say, okay, our house is okay for people to come in, for you to come. For us to take you home this afternoon. Now, would we run in the door ahead of you and move a few things? Probably so. But you could come this afternoon and just walk right in. The living room now, just make that clear. Not the whole house, but the living room. And why is, don't, don't be defeated by that. Don't be so down because you feel like you never succeed in that area. It don't have to be perfect. It just has to be. We live in our houses, right? We live in them. Everybody else lives in their house. We know that about each other. But don't let that rob you from using your home, from opening up your home to invite Christian people in and, and allow the Lord to, to work through your family. If, if you're working hard, men, if you're working hard on your family and raising your children to the Lord and your marriage honoring the Lord, there is a powerful thing when somebody sits in your house and you don't even know what's happening. They're watching how you and your wife interact. They're watching how your children interact. And there's a powerful testimony of the Lordship of Jesus Christ just by watching you in your house. And so I encourage you to open up your home, invest in people. And two, by caring for the church. Invest in people by caring for the church. If you just care about church, it does something about, it affects people's lives. And so think you're here because you care for the church. We don't, we try hard not to guilt people. We don't want people coming here out of guilt. We want them coming here because they feel blessed and they care about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also by caring for preachers. That's what, it's hard for me to preach points like this because I'm a preacher, but this is what Aquila and Priscilla did. They cared for preachers. You see that? I mean, Apollos and Paul, they took them into their house. Uh, I care for preachers because I'm a preacher. I care about them. I can I, I pray for preachers on Sundays. Sunday's my day. I pray for preachers. I could show you a list of preachers I pray for. Um, you, you know how we are with the police right now where people are like defund the police and get rid of the police. I don't know about you. I met a policeman this week and I, he was telling me what he does and he's a policeman. The first thing I said, I said, man, I, I'm, I'm shaking his hand. I said, man, I am thankful for you. Thank you for what you do. 
thank you for being a policeman. This guy was from Washington, D.C. He told me, he said, we're having to operate now with one quarter less police force than we had six years ago. Like, wow. I bet that's hard. He said, it's very difficult. This guy's pretty high. And I'm saying, thank you for doing what you do. I, I'm grateful for you. I hope we as a church called my house, and that means you, I hope we're like that with preachers. Like, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about preachers out there. When you meet a, a man who preaches and pastors, that you would encourage him. Do you know that most pastors are pretty discouraged? Y'all wear this? Yeah, no? They are. <laughs> most pastors are pretty discouraged. They're pretty defeated. Uh, I should go on and on about that. If, if, if I wanted pray for you and how you would treat preachers, I would encourage you, encourage them, pray for them, tell them you're for them, tell them, tell them you, you praise God for their church. I mean, whatever it is, God will give you the words, but uh, if we want to be like Aquila and Priscilla, we would be the kind of people who lift up and encourage pastors and preachers. And I, I pray that that's what you have in your heart to do no matter where you are when you meet them. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for your marriage? If you have it, the one you have now, if you're single, your future marriage, would you pray that God would use your marriage for kingdom things, build the kingdom of God, pray that God would help you as a family to care about the church and investing in people, even to opening your house. If you're a young person here and you're living at your parents' house, would you pray that God would give you strength to help keep things clean and at your house, that your parents would be able to open up their, those doors more often and invite people in. Father, we thank you for this great example of marriage between Aquila and Priscilla. And we pray that we would have so many godly marriages in this church, honorable marriages that represent Jesus Christ, that are a model to be seen and to be known, and that our children would long for marriages like what they see in this church. We pray, Father, that you would Use the families represented here to build the kingdom of God. We open up our homes and open up our hearts. Help us to be mindful of more than just ourselves, but mindful of people we come in contact who need to hear about Jesus Christ and his salvation. Father, I praise you for the ones in this church who have a desire to open up their house or their farm or whatever it may be for the glory of God. I pray that you would only grow that and encourage that. Let us not become closed-minded to this because we've experienced something bad or some one bad thing that happened to us, Lord. Let us ever be open to loving new people and caring about people of the church. Lord, we always don't have a vision for what real New Testament church looks like. But I think we're getting a glimpse of it today with Aquila and Priscilla. 
And I pray that you would help us to be more like that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just stand here. Before we sing this last song, gratitude. I just want to ask you, are we grateful for anything? Anybody grateful for anything? We're on the eve, week before Easter. That's the most grateful thing we can have for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we can't get excited about that, folks, we can just shut the doors. So this week, I challenge all of you to be prepared, be ready to come next week and worship. Take this week, set your heart, set your mind, get it right. So like I said, next week, if this doesn't happen 2,000 years ago, where are we? Where are we? To the club at this point. The song of gratitude has been on our heart for several months now. We have a lot to be grateful for. We've got good families. We've got a great church. Like I said, Jesus, great kids. America, the greatest country in the world. So, let's be grateful here. When we sing these songs, let's don't, let's don't every song that we sing, just, oh, it's just words. Let's have some meaning behind it, all right?